Hey, 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 you guys. Thank you all so much for being a part of Black Canvas once again. Um, I have another special guest here today. So this is the second actor we have, you guys, on Black Canvas Season 7. I'm just so excited to have Mr. John Minch with us. He is an amazing actor. He has been in music videos. He's done voiceover work, improv, comedy, television, film, commercial, I mean, what else you guys can I put here? Of course, modeling. I forgot to mention that as well. But John has such an amazing career. He was drafted by the Oakland Athletes. He played for Oakland, Cleveland, and Milwaukee in the minor league. He was the 1987 California League All-Star game winner in the minor leagues. He's been acting and modeling in the 90s. And he's still, of course, still acting, doing amazing work. And we're going to talk about one of the things he was in recently in a little bit. He has worked in Hamburg, Germany, as well as Milan, Italy. And he also was a coach, you guys, for USC Women's Club Softball from 1990 to 2015. Um, he's happily married. And John is such a great person. We've been talking for a couple of weeks now. And we were able to pick a date and time. And we're so glad to have John you here on Black Canvas. Thank you for making time to be here. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'd, I'd like to congratulate you on uh, about 250 episodes. That's awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, you wouldn't imagine, John, when I first started, it was just pretty much me by myself, pretty much in my office. <laughs> and I was just having fun yeah. with my mental health and things that we need to discuss about well-being and time management. And then I actually had a co-worker. She was like, hey, why don't you interview me? And so we kind of had fun and we um, did a lot of self-help work. And then she was like, do you think you might want to interview other people? And I was like, nah, I'm just going to kind of just do, do my own thing. And then <laughs> the first guest I had um, was really big on TikTok, amazing guy. And I was like, hey, this might be something I want to do. And then it just went from that to America's Next Time Model Contestant, Survivor, big, just all kind of thing, The Voice, American Idol. I was like, wow, I just can't believe I've mm -hmm. talked to these people. But the one thing I love the most is getting to know them as humans outside of just their career. And that, that's what I love about the show. Oh, it's awesome. That's a great accomplishment. And I like the work you do. Well, thank you, John. And we love you, John. So we're glad that you're here. And I love your work. And that's why I reached out to you. Because I was like, I love talking to people who've, who've been in a career for an extended period of time, but has been positive and done amazing things in your career. And so I wanted to spotlight you and to give you the floor um, and give you an opportunity to kind of answer some fun questions. And then if you have any questions for me, I can answer them as we go along. But I really want to make this about you and give you the floor for people to really learn more about John's career. All right, I appreciate All right, so it. Fire away. The first question I have for you is if you could play any other character from a current hit show on television, who would it be and who would you choose as a scene partner? Uh, well, to tell you the truth, I really don't watch a lot of uh, TV shows per se. I mean, I've seen Ozark, um, Breaking Bad, stuff like that. I mean, I'm more of a movie guy. So I might go in the direction of uh, something like Ocean's 13. I got a big kick out of that. I really enjoy that movie. Uh, George Clooney seems like he'd be a good uh, scene partner, nice and relaxed and kind of, you know, he might throw in some improv and some free flow stuff. Um, I've respected John Malkovich's work for a long time. So anything with him uh, would be good. You know, Marty Bird in uh, Ozark, 
I mean, he's got a, a nice relaxed uh, way about him and, and he seems like a very, uh, a very good person to do a scene with. I know Ju- Julia Garner has said great things about him, how positive he is and how helpful he is and encouraging. So uh, probably those folks, uh, John Torturo, I like some of his work. He was great in uh, The Night Of. I don't know if you saw that. It was an HBO, I think it was a seven episode special a little while back, but that was uh, very well done. I think it was shot in uh, New York. I had a buddy of mine in there for a, a little part, Joe Lattimore from uh, Little Big League. So it was fun to watch him. And, um, you know, pe- people like that, I would enjoy getting to work with. Man, I love that answer. I mean, for me, I probably would choose someone, John, <laughs> completely different from my personality because I think that would keep me on my feet. So I'm thinking of like someone like a Kevin Hart. Oh. I mean, because I love his comedic ability and what he's able to do. Mm-hmm. And I like to crack jokes too, but I'm like, I'm a little bit more reserved in a certain way. So I feel like that would get me completely out of my comfort zone. Or like right. Taraji P. Henson, who I really love. I love her, and when she was in Hidden yep. Figures, I mean, that was an amazing movie. Yep. Well, Kevin Hart, you can't go wrong. I mean, he's always going to you know, help you through and pull you along and always give you something to work with. Yeah, because I'm going to do something to work with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have another question for you. Can you tell us about how were you affected during the um, beginning of COVID-19? How were you emotionally and if you were physically affected through covid and the second part of that question is, um, how has it been shooting since COVID-19? Well, at the beginning, um, you know, not knowing exactly what's what and uh, how to proceed was a little harrowing. You know, I'd go into the grocery store and I'd avoid people and shuck and jive and move around and get in and out and, uh, you know, do my best to, to stay away from folks. But uh, actually, when things were shut down and you couldn't leave, I mean, to me, it was almost like a relief, Um, you know, because then you don't have to worry about anything too much. Uh, I had all kinds of projects that I've been putting off that I thought, all right, this is the time I'm going to hit them and do them. Uh, I started a few. (laughs) And I tell you the truth, I really don't know what happened. The time just flew by. Next thing you know, everything's open and I'm back out and nothing really got done. But uh, (laughs) Luckily, uh, uh, my family and friends early on weren't affected. Later on, they were. Had a few people get it. Um, Nothing major. They made it through, which was good. I got it myself maybe two months ago, and uh, that was a little bit rough. I mean, it took me three to four weeks before I started feeling somewhat right. Uh, My wife had it a couple times. Uh, My mom and my brother got it. Uh, luckily, they didn't have too much trouble with it. But, uh, you know, I'm just fortunate that uh, we made it through. You know, a lot of people haven't had that same experience. So, you know, I count my blessings with that. And then as far as uh, shooting, it's been really difficult because they have to test continually. Uh, there's all kinds of protocols. I did a commercial when um, a Bank of America commercial as things just started to get bad you know they had uh, testing and uh, normally food or lunch is in a buffet this was all served by someone handed it to you all individually packaged but just the general uh, protocols make it difficult to um, to move around I mean you have to be tested and then you wait a day then you might get tested again then you might wait another day and then you go to work so just that part of it 
um, is difficult, the time frame, having to be available for all those test dates, and then uh, hopefully you pass and then get to work. And then at work, you know, with the mask and the food, and I mean, everything's completely different. But, you know, it's just an adjustment, something we got to adapt to, and uh, something that's going to help everybody out in the long run, or at least that's what we believe. You know, as more information came to light, you know, things changed, but uh, my thoughts are better to err on the safe side, you know? I'm 100% behind you, and I work in the industry where I was exposed to it pretty often, and I just thank God that I didn't get it because um, I do have a compromised immune system, and so I'm just being aware of just, like, I hope that if I do, that it won't be, you know, traumatic, that it won't hurt me to an extent where I can't be who I am today. Um, or that I would pass because of it. But it was just definitely very stressful because um, I worked in a hospital setting at that time. Mm. And so literally, oh, wow. I never knew at any time. And I was around a lot of people who had it. And I did, you know, I was like, oh, thank God, because I have two family members that mm. do help and they live with me. And I'm like, I don't want to pass it to them. And so the whole while I was like very cautious. I was probably was like, right. <laughs> if they had a hazmat suit I could have worn, I probably would have worn it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was just yeah, not scary, a bad idea. scary. And like I said, I'm my thoughts and prayers, of course, go out to the people who've lost family members and friends. I, one of my friends passed away from COVID. And yeah, thank you. And it was just really difficult. Um, but I just always remind myself that, you know, with time, you know, hopefully we'll be able to learn more about it and we'll be able to heal ourselves and, and be able to find that energy within us to, to get back to some sort of normalcy, even though we've kind of been put into boxes in our minds, you know, just based on the fear itself. Yeah. Plus the stress of, uh, you know, like you said, the fear and, and the unknown and, you know, it's, I don't think anybody's really quite at ease uh, too much anymore. That's true. You're right about that. All right. So I'm going to kind of switch to a different subject. I want to talk about your work ethic. So can you describe to us like what goes into your work ethic and then what is one of your greatest strengths and one of your greatest weaknesses? Well, the the worth work ethic was uh, shaped, you know, from my parents and my grandparents because they ran a roller skating rink in Euclid, Ohio. So we were always tasked with something. Um, my first job, I think I was eight years old. For some reason, people would bust up the the men's room, so they had to put uh, somebody there to follow whoever went in the men's room. This guy had to follow them in to make sure they didn't trash the, the men's room. And then my first job, technically, I was his assistant. So he'd go in, I'd follow him in and watch what he did. And I moved up to be the guy, the men's room guy. And it kind of went from there. But uh, we're always, you know, doing something. And our parents always uh, had us do something. And they always worked hard. I mean, my dad, I saw, you know, by example, he worked seven days a week. He had in the summertime, he'd have one day off and that was Sunday. But uh you know, if he was sick, I never knew it. He got up and went and did whatever he had to do every single day. My mom, the same way, um, you know, doesn't matter how you feel. I mean, I had horrible allergies growing up and, she, you know, I'd ask her, I, you know, can I just stay home? She'd say, well, you got a fever, take my fever, my temperature and then no fever. Okay. You got to go give me a, a pack full of tissues and sent me on my way. So, you know, they toughened us up, uh, working at the skating rink, you know, my grandfather, you know, said, Hey, I need you to sweep that floor. He gave me a broom. He said, don't be afraid to put some pressure on it. If you break it, we'll get another one. So stuff like that. And then in, uh, 
even in grade school, we worked at the skating rink. They had bingo on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. We'd go in at night, set it up, tear it down the next day, clean everything. Um, that was throughout grade school, you know, and then uh, growing up as well in uh, high school, my brother was the bat boy for the Cleveland Indians. So I would help him out in the clubhouse. So there was always, you know, work and work ethic. I mean, certain things got to be done at certain times, you know, there's no two ways about it. In high school, uh, went to St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland, Ohio, a college prep school. Uh, every night my freshman year, I had to bring every book in my locker home in a ridiculously big duffel bag, must have weighed like 50 pounds and had two hours of homework. So you're forced into discipline, you're forced to work. And then, uh, you know, in college, playing sports, playing baseball, you know, there's, uh, you know, you got to be on time, you got to do certain things, you got to train. Uh, when you're not on the field, you know, off the field, you got to make sure your, your uh, classes are in order, you're eligible, you're getting good grades. So uh, it's just instilled early on to, you know, be on time, meet your responsibilities, do what you got to do. If you commit to something, you don't bail, you know, you see it through. Even if you're not thrilled with it, you see it through because you'd be letting a lot of other people down if you didn't. So getting into acting and modeling, I mean, that was my business. That was work. You know, I mean, it's cool work and it's fun, but, you know, every night before I went to bed, I'd, you know, do my little face routine, you know, clean everything and put on the creams and stuff like that. Uh, I do 300 sit-ups in the morning, 300 sit-ups at night. I would work out during the day, uh, stay in shape, eat healthy. You know, I, I've passed on a ton of good food for many, many years. You know, I've been failing lately, but, uh, you know, for those periods of time, you know, I had to watch what I ate. Um, you know, so the, the discipline kind of came from my attitude, like this is my work. You know, I mean, I got to pay bills. If I got a job, you know, I'd always celebrate that night barbecue something up but then the next day it's like all right I get get another job so you know I was training from parents grandparents and then uh, my wife says it's my uh, German upbringing where uh, you know things are kind of black and white you know if the train's going to leave at eight and the train leaves at eight if uh, you got to be somewhere and do something at a certain time that's what you do you know so <laughs> a little bit long-winded but hopefully uh, I answered your question you did John and I think that's probably one of your greatest strengths as well and it could be, I wouldn't even consider it a weakness. I feel like for me, like being time oriented and also being focused and fixated on something that's important to you, I think that's a strength. Um, I think a lot of times people lose track of that because we're so used to going to the beat of our own drum at times. And we, especially since COVID, like I think a lot of people have lost track of this time and energy because that it's very important, like what, and I just mentioned that in my last podcast, yeah. energy that we give off is, is important, but also that we reflect what we absorb. And a lot of times if we're giving off that we're tired or we're frustrated or irritated and we really don't take time to, to understand where does it stem from or how to work through it, it can definitely manifest in other ways where we actually can hurt others and ourselves. And I think, as you mentioned, with acting, modeling, any of those types of careers, you know, you have a very limited window as it relates to the types. Let's use the example of someone's doing high fashion modeling versus someone who's doing print work or commercial work. You know, they're, they're looking for a specific look or a specific, you know, way that you right. can present and 
and wear the clothes and be able to present that so that they can make money. And then ultimately with acting, you know, there's certain roles that you can do in your teen and in those years. Then when we become, of course, older, you have to kind of go through and vet to see what types of roles you want and how is that going to look toward the types of, you know, roles you want to continue to do because we can't become typecast um, based on what you've done um, years ago. And someone say, oh, I want John for this. And that may not be the direction you want to go. So it's just something to be aware of. Right. And I'd say uh, my week is uh, probably a procrastinator. You know, I'd always figure, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I got time for that. But especially after the last couple of years, you know, you, you don't know how much time you're going to have. You know, if I wake up and I see the sun, hey, thank you. I got to make the most of this. Um, it's kind of given me a little more drive to, you know, get going and do things and not put off. And then, uh, like you said, what everybody's going through, I just um, saw a friend I hadn't seen in a few years and had a nice conversation. And he, he reminded me, you know, we just got talking about one of our neighbors. He said, yeah, my, my buddy's dad always said, he goes, you never know what anyone's going through. So just keep that in mind, you know, as you go about your day, like you said, as you, how you relate to people and uh, what you do or what you project and what you absorb or don't absorb, you know, you never know what somebody's going through, what their day is like, what they have to deal with or what's in their head, what kind of pressures they have going on. So, uh, you know, I try to think about that, you know, before I leave the house. <laughs> well, John, I think that's a great way to look at it. And I always remind myself when I'm at work, I deal with work. When I'm at home, I deal with home. So I don't take work stuff home. And you just have to just remind yourself of that because if you don't know how to, um, you know, to compartmentalize certain things and then when it's time for you to address it, to address it assertively, what happens is that you can become emotionally exhausted. And then a lot of times your energy, when you do start to release it, it may come out in frustration more than what we were wanting people to, to feel when they're in our presence. So I know, you know, with your career, right. you know, you've been able to sustain it for a long period of time because you really have put in the work within yourself, which then allows you to reflect what you want others to see. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, hasn't been easy, you know, but, uh, it's definitely worthwhile and, uh, you know, it's not, uh, the worst thing to have to do. I mean, my job was a lot of times my body, so I'd always keep in shape, watch what I ate, you know, rarely drank stuff like that. So that was, uh, it goes into my, you know, the work ethic. And like you said, uh, the priorities of what I need to do. That's right. And I appreciate you being able to do that because it kind of goes into my next question. I wanted to ask you about working on set. So can you tell us about the experience when you were on the set? Let's go with Little Big League first. And then the second one I want to talk about is when you were recently in Love, Victor. All right. Uh, Little Big League was a dream job. I mean, we were in uh, Minneapolis for 10 weeks, I believe it was. And... Uh, on set, I mean, even offset, I mean, every, everybody was in the hotel. We all had corner rooms at the uh, Marquette Hotel in downtown Minneapolis. So two of my walls were windows. So, I mean, you can't really go wrong with something like that. Uh, and then the rooms were adjoining. So the guy I was next to, Brad Leslie, uh, played Blackout Gatling. I mean, we just kept our adjoining room door open, you know, so we could freely go back and forth. I mean, that's how good we got along. And, you know, it wasn't a big deal. And, uh, you know, all the, the guys on the team, all the actors, everybody, uh, you know, got along, had a good time, enjoyed each other's companies, you know, onset, offset, 
Uh, Timothy Busfield was uh, the lead. He would have uh, parties on Monday night for Monday night football games. He'd cook up a turkey, had all kinds of food. Everybody would come over, had a great time. Um, I mean, it was just kind of uh, it felt like family. Everybody on the crew, you know, it seemed like uh, everybody got along and there were no problems. Uh, office people. I mean, I, I had good rapport with everybody, even the the writer of the film, Adam Scheinman said, you know, this doesn't happen. He says, when, well, like when a movie's over, people go their own way, never talk to each other, never see each other. I mean, we, I've still talked to him today. Everybody keeps in touch, um, you know, I give a text or a phone call here and there, but uh, it was absolutely unbelievable. Andy Scheinman was one of the partners at uh, Castle Rock. He was a director. That was the first film he directed. So he was nice and loose and relaxed. I mean, cause it's his company, you know, so, <laughs> um, which kept everybody at ease. And, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, I could go on and on, but it, it was an incredible, um, incredible 10 weeks and incredible point in my life and love Victor. I was briefly on for one day, but, uh, everybody was so kind and so nice and, uh, you know, welcoming and, and, uh, it was, uh, you know, kind of the same situation. Um, I had a blast doing that, kidding around with everybody, talking to everybody, uh, the, you know, the direction, director, everybody in production was extremely kind. The lead actors got some uh, picture with them. You know, they were great people. So, you know, if, uh, I went in with a positive attitude. I mean, they all had positive attitudes, but uh, I guess it's what you make of it. But, you know, they made my experience uh, just unbelievable. So it was a really on both sets. They were just incredibly good. Well, that's amazing. I love to hear when an actor can come in and I think Johnny has a lot to do with you to be honest I think that you give off a, an inviting energy that people want to talk and want to be around you and it's not just a set I think like that's something I want you to be able to take comfort in knowing that you do help people feel like they can be their best self around you so I think that's something more just with you versus just everyone else on the set because sometimes and we all know this can happen, especially in this industry, is that you'll get there and, and people will have an inflated ego. And and the grandiosity is so big <laughs> that you literally can't even fit in a room with that individual. And it just makes it hard for you to want to work. But I think like when everyone puts their egos aside and realize, hey, you know what, we're here to make a great film or great television, a great commercial, whatever, or even with modeling, when you are working with another model, you know, we're here to have a great shot. And I think like if everyone's on the same page with that, it makes it easier. And I think with you, at least from what I've had experience so far with you, is that it's been the same, consistent. And I think like that is something that you bring outside of just the set. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's um, I mean, the ultimate goal is to, you know, like you said, get a great shot or uh, a great scene. I mean, we're all working towards a great project. So no matter what happens, I mean, I worked with a uh, a young uh, boy <laughs> a few times for modeling and he was kind of up and down and all over. And, uh, you know, there was, he had a, uh, a doll that, uh, you know, on one trip in to work with him, it was in Chicago, you know, this doll meant everything to him. I mean, he couldn't go anywhere without Coco. So, you know, I was like, okay, man, no problem. Where was Coco? You good? All right, let's try to do this shot. You know, so and then four months later, I was shooting uh, at his parents' house. I'm walking up the front door and I see a bald, naked Coco 
laying in the grass. <laughs> he comes running out the front door and he looks right at me. And he goes, I hate you. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's all well and good. And I'm fine. Thanks for asking. But, uh, you know, the, we got to get a shot and it's going to be with you and I'm going to do my best and be the nicest guy. And we're going to, you know, get this shot done because that's our goal. <laughs> I can just see it now. You, 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 you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he, you know, the doll that meant so much from a few months early, he just totally trashed and threw him outside. So, oh, so. Now that's, that's an experience. I was actually going to ask you another question that was similar to that <laughs> about one of your most memorable experiences on set or filming. And I think that that one takes the cake. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's uh, that was a pretty good one. But I mean, my first commercial audition was for a, a McDonald's baseball commercial. So they, uh, you know, they take you going to uniform and you got a bat and they just want you to swing a bat a few times. So it was my first audition. I was a little bit nervous, you know, and my hands are a little bit sweaty. My first swing, there goes the bat up into the ceiling, into the, into the rafters. I mean, the guy behind the camera ducked. I mean, luckily it didn't hit the camera and uh, you know, everybody kind of had a laugh, but the, it got me a callback because then on the callback, you know, all the agency people and the McDonald's people were there and they said, all right, here we go. And just as I said that all of them ducked behind their chairs and the table and got under anything they possibly could. And everybody had a nice little laugh. But, uh, <laughs> That is a great memory. I mean, but Johnny's made you stand out. And I always tell people, it's, sometimes you have to do some, I know that wasn't intentional, but some things to stand out and people <laughs> are going to remember. They'll say, hey, I remember that guy, John. I remember the bat too, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one way or another, they remember me. That's true. That's true, John. All right. <laughs> so I got another question for you, John. This one is a little hard. So I'm going to want you to think about it for your answer. But if you could give yep. young John one piece of advice, I want you to choose a specific age. What would you say to young John today? Uh, man, it's tough to pick a specific age because there's been, you know, every couple of years or so, there's like a, a kick below the belt or something that's like jarring. But uh, I heard uh, an interview with Bono of you two a while back, and they asked him the same question. They say, what would you tell your younger self? He goes, I tell him, relax, you're right, trust yourself. <laughs> so, I mean, I had, you know, great parents. I mean, they did everything they possibly could for me. Great, uh, you know, great people in my lives, in my life that, uh, you know, came in and out. And I think, um, you know, I think I'm a, a, I've taken a piece from each of them. You know, I saw something in someone that I liked and I was like, oh, that's how you do it. I want to keep that. Or just, you know, the way somebody acted, you know, my parents, just what they did, you know, we have to do this, this, and this, and we are going to do it. You know, we're not going to let you down. We're not going to slough off. We're going to do everything we can. So, you know, I think I had good training and I had good people come in and out of my life. So I was able to make decisions that I might not have followed at that point in time. But looking back, I was like, yeah, I was right. I should have trusted myself, you know, even though somebody said this, that, or the other. I should have trusted myself. I knew, you know, which way to go. I think that's great advice for all of us to hear because sometimes our, that little voice in our head will tell us to stop or don't believe or, you know, go into a direction that's uncomfortable that might hurt us. But sometimes if you just really sit back, think, surround yourself with positive people who can support you and not just tell you what you want to hear, but be able to support you in a loving, respectful, 
you know, way where you can say, hey, this is constructive feedback and it doesn't have to be criticism. And it's up to me to make the decision if I'm going to change or not, or if I'm going to go forward with this decision or not. But just making sure you know who's in your circle and also those individuals, what they're teaching you in that experience when you're with them. Because I think people teach us so much and we just have to be aware of the lessons we're learning. Exactly. And, uh, you know, like they say, trust your head, trust your heart. Well, I got to trust my heart because my head, I mean, you can try to uh, rationalize things or manipulate things the way you want, but your heart knows the truth. So I just tried to, you know, be quiet, listen to my heart. If I felt something, I mean, I literally, I would sometimes feel physical pain. I knew that was a sign of which way to, which way to go. That's right, John. And I've, I've had to do that recently within myself of making some life-changing decisions and things I had to do in the last couple of weeks, actually. And I knew I mm. had to do something different and take care of me because I haven't been 100% taking care of myself because I've been there for everyone else. I'm like, hey, I have to take care of self-preservation now and make sure I'm doing the right thing for me. And I feel very confident in the decision I made and I've been able to rest better. I've been able to think clear. And I know that I did the right thing, but I think it's one of those things when you're so used to having to be everything for others, even as much as you preach it to someone else, it's hard to find it within yourself. But, you know, once you actually know who you are and being authentic in the moment, then it helps you to be able to, to tell people what needs to be said in a respectful tone in a way, but then also knowing what to tell yourself. And that way you can start rehearsing that positive mental imagery on a daily basis. And then you'll start to see it come to fruition in so many different aspects of your life. And talking to you, this is one of those examples. I would have never thought years ago I would be on a call with you. And I look up to you and your career and all the things you've done. But getting to know you more outside of just your career, I know you're a great family man, a great husband. Like you're doing other things that people can connect with. And so that, I like that side even more than what you've done as far as your long-standing career with acting, modeling, commercials, baseball, like all that is great. But I think when you go home at night and you're able to be surrounded by people who care and love you and that you can be that, that person that they need and for yourself, I think those things are invaluable. Right. And like you said, with uh, two people that living with you, you know, that, that depend on you into some capacity, you know, you, you have to take care of yourself because my mom was in a situation like that with her mom before she died. And, you know, it was driving her crazy. I mean, it's like 24 hours. I mean, you lose yourself, you forget about yourself. I mean, you got to, you know, as much as you can take care of yourself, like you said. You're right about that. Yeah, my grandmother, um, she had dementia years ago. And after my grandfather passed, he passed a few months before I graduated high school. I and decided to take care of her in and take care of her. So I was going to school, working part-time and taking care of her. And that went on during the time, of course, during Katrina. And so we were mm-hmm. survivors of Hurricane Katrina and Rita. And it was just one of those things I'll never forget being the age I was. And just realizing I thought my life had just started and I felt like it was over. Um, And then I would stop for a moment and say, you know what? I'm still here. Like there's nothing that's keeping me from reaching those goals. It just won't happen in the time frame I expected, but I can still get there. And I have, I ended up getting my associate degree at that time, then went back for my bachelor's and then getting my master's and been working 
for eight years now in a completely different career, but the career I should have been in in the beginning. And then I realized what it would have happened if I didn't survive the storm. What would have happened if I had just given up on myself? Um, and so I just chose to not be the victim. Mm -hmm. And I chose to be a survivor and a thriver. And just to know that even in my weakest moments, there's still a place to go up and to find another avenue within myself to reach that pinnacle of success that I see for myself. Or if I haven't seen it, then hopefully one day I will see it and then I will be able to kind of take the rose-colored glasses off and just be able to stay fixated on what's best for me. And then what's best for me will be better for others who are around me because I will be in the right state. Right. And those, those are huge accomplishments to you know, have the mental discipline to do that and to get yourself going in that direction. I mean, I like to, for me personally, you know, I always think I control what goes through my head. So if I let crap and darkness and garbage go through my head, I'm going to have problems. So if that starts to creep in, I got to fix it. You know, I got to let good things get in my head. I got to think about good things. I got to do good things. You know, I can, I control what runs through my mind. So I got to, you know, take control of that and put uh, positive things in there. Absolutely. And John, that's what I love about you. I think like you can turn that around pretty quickly and hopefully with time for our listeners, if you struggle with that, don't give yourself a time frame. Like I have to figure it out in a day or a week, you know, just think of how many years it's taken for you to get to where you are now or how many months or how many weeks. And just remember that it's going to take even more time for you to convince yourself and then to repeat and do the, the next right thing for your, your career, for your life, for your, for your family. You have to know what it took to get to where you are and not give up on yourself because many times we, we may want to give up because we feel exhausted or exasperated. But just remember that life is worth living and we just have to keep fighting each day um, to, to find out the better versions of ourselves each moment. Yeah. And especially after the last couple of years, you know, it, every single day, even if I got stuff, I don't, I'm not thrilled about doing, I got to find a way to have as much fun as I possibly can and make the most of it, you know? Absolutely. Well, John, I only have one more question for you. So I'm going to combine these, this, this last question. So the first part of it is what's next for you. If you can tell us if there's anything upcoming. And then the second part of that question is how can our listeners find you online? All right. Um, I was in a uh, HBO show called Duster. I was a surgeon in the pilot and it's a JJ Abrams uh, production. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but his name is uh, pretty big in, uh, you know, the entertainment circles. I mean, if it's a JJ Abrams show, it's very well respected and it's going to be seen. So I was on the pilot for that. So that's, uh, I'm not sure when that is coming up. Um, also, um, what was the uh, other part of the question? I'm sorry. No problem. If you can tell us where they can find you online. Oh, um, Instagram. I'm only on Instagram. No TikTok or anything else. Um, John, J-O-H-N, under Minch, M-I-N-C-H. Uh, I do also have a little uh, public service, if I can take a minute to uh, let people know. There is a uh, kind of a mirror account. John Minch with two eyes, which, uh, you know, I've, was brought to my attention. And my first thought was, you know, why? But uh, <laughs> the, uh, a lot of people have been getting hacked and my wife got hacked. And uh, the method they do is they'll hack somebody, you know, account and they'll say, Hey, 
you know, could DM you or something like that. And they'll ask you to vote for them for something and they'll give you a link. So you hit the link and then uh, they'll come back and say, well, I want to make sure it went through. Let me text it to you and do it that way. So then if you do that off your phone, then they got your phone number. They can switch the contact with uh, Instagram, basically steal your account. And it seems like uh, they're trying to pump up crypto and that's what uh, everything I've seen. But uh, I'll never ask anybody to vote for me. If I do, I'd put out a video of uh, my mug just saying, you know, whatever I would have to say. But uh, be cautious of uh, even if it's somebody, you know, clicking on links, don't give anybody your phone number. Um, you know, be very careful because it seems like a lot of it's going around. My wife's had a lot of friends get hacked and it seems like this other account is, uh, has that intention. So watch out for that John Inch guy with two eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not laughing at what happened, but I'm just laughing at like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, I mean, I was actually hacked um, a few months back. I don't know how it happened, but I, I totally understand. And we just uh, have to be very careful. I mean, people will do all kinds of things just for whatever reason. And it's just sad, but that's just life. And we just have to learn to work through it. But I will say, I do know J.J. Abrams because he actually produced my favorite show, which I watched this and have it all on DVD, Lost. Yeah, Lost is my favorite show. Like, literally, I really? every episode, I can almost recite things from the episodes because I watched it religiously probably for a couple of years. I would, like, put the DVD in before I went to sleep. And then I would wake up and watch it. And I think also J.J. Abrams was also oh, nice. a producer with Star Trek, I believe. But yeah, I think okay. so. But I'm not I sure about that. Lost. Like I knew the name. I was like, oh yeah, like that is, I mean, <laughs> one of my favorite shows. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, it was it was kind of a trip because he was there. I mean, he was on set. He was looking in the monitor. I was standing right next to him looking in the monitor, watching. He was there for every single take. And it was like, wow, <laughs> this is pretty big. I mean, he didn't say anything to me, which uh I guess what I was doing was okay by him. But uh, I mean, it was just a trip just to be right next to him and working side by side with uh, somebody like that, you know? That's amazing. Well, John, I'm just so excited. First of all, thank you for making time for being here on the show. We really appreciate that. But I'm just very excited to know you as a person. Hopefully continue to keep in contact and we would love to have you back in the future. If you're ever interested and just want to give us an update on things going on in your life, if there's any shows or stuff you want to let me know or things I can plug for you, I'm definitely open to doing so. But I just want you to continue to do what you've been doing because it's been working not only in life, but in your career. And we're just so blessed to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Jerry. I appreciate it. It's been awesome to get to know you. Uh, again, congratulations on your success and uh, all the best uh, for the continued. And I would love to keep in touch and you know, see what's going on with you. And if uh, I got something to let you know about, I definitely will. Well, we appreciate it, John. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Well, we thank you again, John, for being on the show. And I hope you have a great rest of your evening. Thanks you too, Jerry. All right. Bye, John. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.